you know, I don't really care about your background, wherever you're from. I want to help you become the best possible person that you can become. And I think that's my macro goal with this. All right, we are recording. Today I have on John Fish. If you don't know who he is, he's got an exploding YouTube channel. He is a computer science student at Harvard who gives tips on everything from studying to lifestyle advice. So if you haven't seen his channel, I highly suggest you check it out. John, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Definitely. Uh, I know you got to look at these questions. Uh, so I'm just going to go right into the first one I sent you, which is what's the most exciting thing you're working on right now and why is that? Um, so right now, I'm, there's a few really exciting projects that I'm working on. Uh, the big one is, is going to be coming about in the next few months. And um, it's kind of my branching out into the podcasting realm, uh, but also it'll be on YouTube as well. But the idea is, um, you know, I came to the realization that there's only so much that I, as an 18-year-old, can share with my audience. And, uh, but there are some really cool people that I'm connected with that are much more wise, much more experienced than me in a variety of realms, be it, you know, at school here or uh, in the entrepreneurial realm, stuff like that. And so I'm going to be putting together kind of a podcast show, just a weekly interview show where I just talk to people and um, hear what, what they have to say to my audience. Because now that I have an audience, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are willing to share their advice, their mentorship with the world. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, that's definitely exciting. What, uh, what type of, what, are, is there any focus you're going to have or is it just anyone you feel like is worth, worth talking to your audience? I, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much just anyone that, that like I admire that I, uh, or that I think is interesting. Um, just people from all different walks of life as well, because I think that, you know, I come from a very specific background and, uh, a lot of my viewers come from all around the world. And, um, I think that while I can speak to what's worked well for me, I can't necessarily talk about uh, what is, you know, going to work well for someone from Chile or from Argentina or some of these places where I have a bunch of viewers. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole idea of being a Harvard CS student is pretty, is a little intimidating as well. When I saw your video on, I think one of your videos on studying, you mentioned that you didn't always feel like you were a good student. <laughs> I was just blown away by that. Yeah, I mean, um, like I wasn't. I didn't feel like I was. I, I was in a gifted class uh, in elementary school, grade five and six. Um, but uh, I was like one of the worst in the class in terms of academics. Uh, I was kind of put in the class just, just, just primarily because of, um, of the fact that I wasn't doing well in traditional school. And it wasn't okay. Uh, it wasn't because of like any learning disability or anything. And so they said, well, maybe, you know, he's gifted. So I, I did a few enrichment programs, stuff like that. And I found that fun because it was challenging. It was cool. It was different. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. it, it progressed from there. But in terms of academics, it, it took a while for me to actually start excelling. But I think the, the important lessons that I learned in that program were primarily about failure and about how it's actually okay to fail and how it's good to fail. And now I'm somebody that seeks out failure. So I'll do these things like starting a YouTube channel or whatever, knowing mm -hmm. full well that it will probably fail or that I will be failing at it for a year before it succeeds. And I have no problem with that. Right. And I think that yeah. learning that helps me with academics later on. Okay. I'm just laughing because you're failing at failing at YouTube. Your YouTube's wildly successful right now. So I mean, after a year, <laughs> right? Like, like I've been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Producing You've been cranking on it. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like you put a, a massive amount of work into it. Your edits are just 
just they're amazing i appreciate that yeah it's really really impressive um so with this i guess it seems like the majority of your videos are on these study hacks do you feel like most of your tips are things that should be able to help everyone you talk about how there's a diverse background and you might not be able to relate to everyone but it seems like you feel strongly that this advice is good for for everybody the time management things like that yeah. And I mean, I think it's for, for the most part, I try and give accessible advice. So like, I'm aware that like people that watch me come from a wide variety of backgrounds and um, the things that I'm, that I'm primarily talking about, it's more of a mindset shift than anything. And mindset is something that anybody can change. So when it's mm -hmm. just looking at, you know, like, how are you structuring your approach to school? How are you viewing this work um, in terms of like, does it feel like a chore or can you make it feel fun, right? Um, and then with the study habits as well, like the Pomodoro method, like it's just how do you structure your time, right? Or like making lists, like anybody can do that uh, regardless of the resources that you have or your background. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, this kind of popped in my head when you were saying that because you are doing so many projects, you know, now you're going to do the podcasts. Is there any chance, would there be a level of success you could have with this podcast where you'd say, you know what, I'm going to pack up and put Harvard on hold for a little bit and just do this full time? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think uh, it's not something that I would necessarily want to do permanently. Um, Harvard has a really interesting policy where you can take a year off or you can take two years off or three years off and then come back. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, right now the best place for me is here in terms of just my personal growth and my personal development. But mm -hmm. I, I'm a strong believer that the, the only thing that really separates Harvard from anywhere else in the world is the collection of amazing people that is here. And you can build a collection of amazing people anywhere else. So it's not so much, you know, success in terms of money or numbers. It's more if I could find a, a community of people or get to a point where people that I really admire are, you know, willing to talk to me or seeking me out to talk to me. Um, that is the level of success that it would take for me to, you know, take a year off or two years off or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. It is, it is already like a pretty built in pretty uh, community there. So I would imagine unless you could have a community that exceeded that, it'd be hard to leave. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about how you got the idea for your channel. Um, was this, was this something you always knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur? You always knew you wanted to be a YouTuber. How did you decide to go forward with this project? Um, so I mean, I, I've had the idea of being on YouTube since 2010. Um, okay. wow. which is a long time. Um, yeah. yeah. And it was just kind of like, I mean, I'd never made regular content or, uh, anything like that, but I would always make like these little silly videos and most of them aren't up on my channel anymore. Um, but, uh, a few of them are from like a time before I was making regular content, just uh, like some programming videos. I did a, a breakthrough junior challenge of science video competition a while back that, um, I did pretty well in. And, um, so I always had this idea of, you know, being someone on YouTube. I just liked it. And then, you know, when it came to actually uh, starting the channel where I was regularly producing content, that 
is something that came about because I was in a, a film course at the time and I was a little bit frustrated with just the amount of uh, projects that we were working on. This was in high school. It, film is okay. a communications course. Um, yeah. And, you know, we would make, I think the, the course, we made three independent study projects over the course of a semester. Um, so three videos, basically. And I wanted to iterate faster than that. And so I started to make daily videos at that point, just documenting. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a lot of the summer. And then um, it kind of transitioned away from that because I felt like what was more valuable to people was less so documenting my life and more so sharing the lessons that I'm learning. And so that was a transition that I made going into second semester here. And I think that combined with actual regular uploading that I've held myself accountable to, which is weekly uploads, has been uh, one of the things that has facilitated growth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Having having three projects for a whole class versus that, you know, weekly weekly upload. So was it that that quick cycle time that really led you to that discovery of, hey, I should be making things about the lessons I'm learning versus just a, a video log? Or how did you discover that? Um, I mean, I, I discovered like the, 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 the transition point came because I, of a couple of interesting conversations that I had with uh, the Dean of Freshmen here at Harvard, Dean Dingman, um, mm -hmm. who's a really, really incredible guy. And um, basically like the, it wasn't about YouTube at all. It was about just reflecting on our life, uh, where we came from, where we're at and where we want to go. And I realized that of the things that I was doing, YouTube was one of the things that contributed the most to my values, the things that, that I, um, yeah, the things that I value in the world. And so I wanted to start putting more energy and time into it. And I realized that as a result of that kind of reflection thing, I, I made a video about, you know, I called it why my 4.0 at Harvard was a failure, um, which kind of got me onto this new idea of videos, which is just like, sharing things that I'm realizing and learning um, because people reacted really well to that video and then to a few other videos that I put out. And then it kind of just, as I iterated, it just moved in that direction. That's interesting. So what type of videos were people not responding to at all? I mean, like it kind of just like, uh, like the vlogs, I mean, people would occasionally watch and I, I had a few that, that actually did pretty well. Like, you know, like my first day at Harvard or whatever, like, you know, people are interested in watching that, but it's less so that, that people weren't watching them because people were watching them. It's more, um, I try not to focus on the numbers in terms of viewership or money or anything like that. I try and focus on the human impact and the human impact that those videos were having. It was negligible. People weren't feeling like they were improving because of it. People weren't, you know, saying that their life was changing or whatever. And then as I started to upload these videos, you know, just sharing my advice with the world, sharing like the lessons that I've learned from, from people, um, people, the human impact just skyrocketed. People really started to, to reach out to me and say like, Hey, like this is really helping me in school. This is really helping me in life. Um, just like keep it up. And that's something that nobody ever did when I was making, you know, vlogs or whatever. Um, and to me, that is what, what, is valuable about YouTube. And I understand that it's not true for everyone. Um, it's just kind of a personal thing for me. I love the human impact. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I can, I can see what you mean with the sharing tips videos. That's how I originally got turned on to your channel. I think it was a study one where you talked about, you talked about how sipping water is so important so that you kind of like, I guess, dealt with your body's yeah. tendency to want to fidget and oral fixation. A lot of people have, and I, I just thought that was interesting because I always have to have something they're drinking something yeah, coffee yeah, yeah. Yeah. to hear some person who you think of as like the pinnacle of insidiousness <laughs> say, say that they have the same issue for me. It was like, all right, this is, this is good stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I like those videos as well. Uh, so can you, well, before I move on, can you talk about like what, I don't know if this is something you're going to share, but what are some of those values that you identified, I guess, in those discussions with Dina Freshman? Um, okay. So, uh, happiness is the top one. Um, mm -hmm. I think everybody, everybody values happiness. Um, and you know, the way that you get there is going to be different for everyone. And it's a very complicated thing, but, um, just ultimately like things that make you happy. That was one of them. Um, Another thing uh, that I like to, to give the word like community um, in terms of, for me, one of the best ways to become happy um, is to have a strong community around me. Um, so be it, you know, friends, uh, relationships, family, um, things like that. I, I found that a lot of the activities that I was doing, especially with school, wasn't really fostering a sense of community, right? Like if I was disappearing to study for, six hours. <laughs> if I was yeah. with somebody like sure, whatever, we might become tight because we struggled together, but like it wasn't creating a community and it, it wasn't really like sharing love. Um, and I mean like love is, love is one of the, the things that I really do value. Like I think just, uh, people really do crave genuine human connection, um, online in the world, whatever. And there's just so much fake stuff, so much negative stuff right now that I just want to put out a positive message of like, you can improve yourself. Like you can get better no matter what you can chase your dreams. You can pursue your passions. Like it's a vision for the world that I think uh, really fosters love. Um, and then a couple of the other things that I do value uh, influence and money. Those were two of the things that I wrote down. And I think, um, you know, I was the only one in the activity that wrote those down, but I think, um, I think everybody values those two things and not a lot of people yeah. are willing to talk about it. Right. Because like, no, um, it, yeah, it, it feels greedy almost to say that, but yeah. the reason that I value influence and the reason that I value money is because those two things facilitate any message that you want to spread. So for example, yeah. like Bill Gates, brilliant guy in terms of charity work, in terms of making the world a better place. But if he didn't have money or influence, then his message wouldn't be heard by people more than likely. Like mm -hmm. if, if he wasn't this, if he didn't found Microsoft, like, would you know who he is and what he's trying to do with the world? I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. So I think that the understanding that those two things are just tools, they're the things that allow you to facilitate both positive or negative messages. I think that that's crucial. Like I'm not going to pursue money just for the sake of being rich but I will pursue money if it allows me to start a company that helps people or to make, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I like that you said, I like that you said money and influence can be used to spread, you know, a message and you didn't limit it. Cause a lot of the times when people bring that up, they just, they just limit it and say, you know, money and influence can be used to improve the world. And it's like, well, kind of depends on what you use it for. Yeah. Uh, but it can be, <laughs> so I like, I like that you left that open. Uh, not trying to pull the wool over our eyes. 
That's great. Um, so yeah, money and influence. Yeah. I think, I think writing it's important too, because yeah, I think, I feel like that's a part of being human is that's pretty natural for most people to desire those kind of things. So yeah, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah, that's awesome. So <laughs> one question I have, and for people that are trying to start a YouTube channel or something mm -hmm. entrepreneurial, how did you develop the system you're using for your either storylining cuts and edits or just your video production in general? Did you already have that in mind before you started or was that a process that evolved? Just a process that evolved. Um, so for me, like everything that I do has kind of grown naturally or from people that I really respect and, and look up to. So like, uh, for example, like Casey Neistat, Peter McKinnon, those guys on YouTube, love yeah. watching their stuff and if you look at any of my old videos they're all just basically casey neistat ripoffs in terms of style editing whatever yeah. and yeah. i i try not to do that now because like i've developed into my own style but i think there is absolutely nothing wrong with looking at people looking at videos that you like look up to and say like okay how did they do that you know and really breaking it down like i remember i was talking to my film uh, my teacher about this who's an amazing teacher and you know, I said, like, I really like Casey Neistat because his videos are, like, really raw and unstructured. And she goes, they're not raw and unstructured. Like, look at this. And we, we went to a shot, and there's leading lines all going into his head. And it's, like, if you just take the moment to break down, okay, how did he set that shot up? How did he plan this video? How would I do it? And then as you do that and you, you say, okay, great, this is what this person does. Now, how do I make it better? How do I make it mine? And that just iterates over time. So, like, as you're, you know, making more and more videos, it's, it's all about just – keep like being consistent and and actually producing content over time because you learn what works well you learn what doesn't work well and then that's the only way to get better yeah yeah that's awesome yeah consistency and starting with a baseline of models to emulate that's crazy how many industries that's exactly how people get good i mean it's it's you know? like you just build on the shoulders of giants and no matter yeah. what you're in that's just the only way to do it like and people even in things that seem incredibly original and creative like art or like writing um you're still doing the same thing right like you're building on what was done in the renaissance if you're a painter or what was done before that like it, you can never be 100 percent original and it's you just have to embrace that and then understand what originality actually looks like what do you mean what originality looks like so like I think that there is a, a defining line between um, people that, like I said, like are building on the shoulders of giants and people that are, you know, ripping off those giants. So like if I look at like Andy Warhol and I look at his soup cans and I go, wow, that's really cool. Uh, I'm going to do the exact same thing, but I'm not going to use Campbell's soup. I'm going to use whatever soup, mm. you know, or I'm going to uh, do the same format, but instead of soup, I'm going to put, I don't know, water bottles on there. You know, I think that that is, is unoriginal, right? And it's pretty obvious to most people that it's unoriginal. But if you look at it and you say, you know, I really love the way that he's using these colors in order to give off a message. And I love like the color scheme that he's using there. And I love the idea of using cultural icons in order to convey something bigger. So I'm going to do a similar thing, but I'm not going to copy his exact format. I'm not going to do this. Like, because his message is different than your message. And I think the same holds true in video in that I can look at like a Casey Neistat video and look at what makes him wildly successful. But ultimately what makes him successful is the fact that he's incredibly genuine and he's found a way to portray 
how genuine he is on the internet in a creative manner. And so for me, if I understand that that's what makes him successful, then what will make me successful is also by being genuine and portraying that in a creative manner. And that's going to look incredibly different. So, so it's like, it's like looking into a work and seeing like the underlying goal of a medium instead of just it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a root appearance. Analysis. It's like asking why, just asking like, why did he do this? Yeah. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? And then if you can boil it down to understanding their underlying motivation and you say, is that something that I would want to do? Because sometimes it's not like, if I look at like, I don't know, like a rapper, like, why did he do that to get rich? Why does he want to be rich to flex on people? Like whatever, like it's <laughs> nothing that I want to do. Um, yeah, yeah. I break that down and say, okay, that's, that's not something that I want. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that root cause analysis on great works is, is very cool. You can, yeah, you can use that in anything from software engineering to, to YouTube videos. 100%. Uh, speaking of which, do you plan, do you see software engineering moving with John into the future? Do you plan to be in that long term? Is it a hobby no matter what? I have some fun projects lined up. I think, um, I can't, I don't want to talk about it too much just yet. Yeah, I think software yeah. is something I love building things. Uh, I love making things. I mean, videos are something that I make. Um, but I've also made, you know, uh, making software is something that I really enjoy. And so I don't want to put myself into a box of, you know, just being software. That's something that I've always wanted to avoid is I've never wanted to be a software engineer. Um, or I mean, there was a time where I thought I might be, but uh, in the last few years, that's been something that I want to avoid because I don't want to be sitting in a box writing code. But at the same time, I don't want to be sitting in a box making YouTube videos. Like I want to be making as many people as great as they can be. And I will use whatever tools that I have in order to make that happen. So videos are a great tool, but you know, so could a digital platform that I built, you know, if, if that, if that seems like the right next step for me, um, it's just a tool in my toolkit, just like videos are a tool in my toolkit. Got a lot of tools, <laughs> got a lot of tools at 18. I love it. Um, okay. So I just have two more questions. The first cool. one, uh, is going to be the big visionary question. So, what do you, I know you can't talk about specifics, whatever platform you want to build. What, what do you want to bring into the world in general? Like, yep. you know, a lot of your channel, like you mentioned, is about strength and self-improvement, yep. you know, clarity of purpose. What do you want to see for people that's not in, in the world as much as you would like? Um, my vision for the channel and more than the channel, my vision kind of for my life is that I want to help as many people become as great as they can possibly become. Mm -hmm. So I want to be somebody that, you know, when I'm on my deathbed and I'm looking back, I don't really care about what I do in terms of personal success. I want to be someone that, that shares a vision of, you know, you can bring your life to a point where you're happy, where you are contributing positively to the world. And then hopefully, eventually those people will start sharing their lessons with the world and start telling people because I just don't see positive influencers like that right now. And I just think, you know, there are so much, there are so many negative influencers out there, um, especially in like politics and whatever, where it's just like very, a uh, very divisive times. And I just think, you know, I don't really care about your background, wherever you're from. I want to help you become the best possible person that you can become. And I think that's my macro goal with this. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think there's too many people who have that sense of learned helplessness where they feel like they can't, yeah. 
change their situation. Yep. So that being said, if there's the last question, if there are some people that are, you know, they feel like I just need to start a side hustle or I just need to get on YouTube to change my situation. What would you suggest for those people? Just do it. You know, um, spending time thinking about it is useful to a point and then it's wasted energy. So, um, I'm, I'm well aware of the facts like in my life, especially that I have a limited amount of energy and a limited amount of willpower. And if I try, if I spend that willpower on things like stressing about, you know, why, uh, or what people will think about me, like that was a big thing when I was starting YouTube, like, okay, I'm going to have to show this to my friends and family first. What are they going to think about it? Are they going to make fun of me? Yes. But like, will I, uh, will I waste energy worrying about that as opposed to spending that energy on actually creating it? No. Like, and it's tough to do that. It's easy to say it and tough to do it. But ultimately that for me has been um, something that I've learned over the past year. I, I took a Zen Buddhism course last semester and um, kind of that mindfulness about where you're spending your energy comes up mm-hmm. a lot in, in Zen. And um, there's an interesting book called 10% Happier by Dan Harris, where he talks about mm-hmm. this. And just like, I think people don't realize just how much energy they actually are spending on things that don't contribute positively to their life. So be it, you know, scrolling through Twitter, scrolling through Instagram, watching stupid YouTube videos that, you know, whatever, like Fortnite, whatever, like none of those things are inherently bad, right? I think that there is entertainment value and sometimes that's what you want. But if you're not being intentional about where you're spending your energy, then you're just depleting the stories that you have so that when it actually comes to making something or doing something, you don't have it anymore. And so you, you can't create something because you've wasted all of your energy and your willpower for the day or whatever. And like, I, I, I come across this all the time. And so uh, in my life, like I waste my energy all the time and it's just something that I'm trying to do is just be more intentional about that. And so for people that are trying to start something, the biggest thing is just, choosing to spend your energy on productive things. So it's okay to, you know, be planning a YouTube channel or a side hustle for a month or whatever. If everything that you're spending your energy on in that month is actually, you know, working towards making this great when it launches. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just delay and delay and delay because they're scared. And the only thing that you should, the, the only thing really holding you back is yourself. Like, you can do it. You can spend your energy on productive things if you're just willing to stop spending it on the things that are holding you back. That's, nice. that's the realization that I've come across. Oh, I totally agree. I love it. Well, uh, I'm going to cut the recording and we can chat cool. after cause I know you have to go, but thank you for coming on John and giving people awesome. some of your advice. Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you so much.